It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Well, you are about to be blessed, my friend. Mm-hmm. About to be blessed because we have Jean Watson with us today. She's sitting here just across the way from us, sipping on some tea with <laughs> and we're so excited to have you back. If you're not familiar, Jean's been on the show before, but she plays violin with the Kalamazoo Symphony Orchestra. She hosts an internationally broadcast radio show. She tours across the country, around the world, both as a performing artist and as a sought-after speaker. She's also recently released her 12th CD Yay. and her first book, which is entitled Everything Can Change in Just 40 Days. And Jean is equally at home performing and speaking in concert halls and homeless shelters. And she's just excited to be here with us this morning to share her long and sometimes rocky path of faith. Good morning, Jean. Good morning. Thanks for having me again. Good to have you. We're excited to have you here. Thanks for being willing to drive the hour and 15 from the Kalamazoo area. Oh, it was no problem. No snow, no ice. So we are good. (laughs) It's nice to have you in that area. So it was 20 years ago. This is the 20th anniversary of the year that your landlord did something amazing for you. So take us back to that moment. That's right. So 20 years ago was a really special year for me. I didn't know that it was at the time. In fact, it was a dark and a painful moment in my life. I was a single mother of four at that time, and it was not a happy period of my life. I had gone through a difficult divorce and was struggling to survive emotionally, spiritually, financially. We were really in a low place. And it was at that time that my landlord brought us a Christmas tree as an act of goodwill. And he was dragging this tree in the front door. And I had a recording playing that I had made for a friend of some Christmas carols. And it was a gift I had made for her. Mm. Well, this recording was playing and he heard it and he stopped and he puts the tree down puts the tree down. And he said, what is that? And I said, well, that's just a gift I made for a friend. And he said, but who's singing? Mm. And I said, that's me. And he looked shocked and he said, that's you. I said, yeah. And he didn't know I could sing. And um, he started to cry and he was just moved by the sound of the music. And um, he sat down on the couch and was overcome with emotion. And Mm -hmm. he said, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but I think that's what you're supposed to be doing. Wow. Wow. And then that's not the end of the story though, right? right. Like he he had he was so compelled by what he experienced that day that he felt like he needed to be a part of seeing that happen. Tell us what happened after that. Exactly. And so he started asking me, you know, what does it cost to record professionally? And I thought, well, whatever it is, it's more than I have because mm-hmm. I'm struggling to pay the bills and and he said, Well, look, he said, I want to help you just take your rent money back this month and let that be the seed. Wow. Um, give that to a recording studio and and go keep recording what you've already done. And so I did. And I, I finished a little Christmas project that year, 2003. I called it Christmas Presents mm-hmm. and uh, gave it away mm-hmm. to anyone who would listen. So it was a pretty immediate response. I mean, if yeah. you're talking still the Christmas season and you put out a Christmas album, like from the time yeah. that he was putting up a tree yeah. to the time well, that Christmas finished, came? Yeah, finished 
And wow. actually, I didn't finish all the songs before Christmas. Some of it was done after the season, mm-hmm. but I had the core of it done before wow. Christmas to give away, you know, with a little hand-drawn cover. It was very crude very and just kind of burned the CDs one at a time. Yeah. Where that did one. you record that first one? That was called Brown and Brown Recording Studios on Farmer's Alley in Kalamazoo. It doesn't exist anymore, but... Just, uh, do you consider that your first project then? Yes, definitely. Yeah, okay. I was so proud of that. Just gave it away to everybody. Yeah, the uh, the day of humble beginnings. Don't yeah. despise the day of humble beginnings. And look what God has done mm. all the years with your life. Amazing stuff that we're going to talk about, we're going to get into. But you've got a, a brand new Christmas record. Mm-hmm. It's called Behold, Carols of Worship. And I think that... There's at least one song on here that was on that first album, too. Yes, yes. So I wanted to take two songs and commemorate that moment 20 years ago mm-hmm. and redo them. And so we did I Wonder As I Wander and also The French Carol were on that original project and had a chance to go back and re-sing them with some amazing arrangements done by Tyler Smith, who's Michael W. Smith's son. So, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so set us up here. I wonder as I wonder. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell my us favorite. about this. My favorite. And so, like, this arrangement, what's so sweet about it is that the piano part that you'll hear, that's the foundation, is the original piano part mm. that oh, wow. I redid from uh, 2003, and then everything else is new. So you can really see um, the wonder of God's grace stacked onto just the humility of where I started. Mm. Mm. What transpired next after, you know, he gave you kind of the seed money to to get started and you laid that first project? How did the ministry start to unfold? How did God lead Mm -hmm. you in that? Just little by little and word of mouth. As I mentioned before, I gave this little very crude CD away to, you know, the lady at the bank and the gas station and all my family Mm -hmm. members. And soon I was receiving invitations to sing and speak at little ladies events and churches around town. And, and, um, and God was beginning to heal my heart because I suddenly had a sense of purpose. And also I was doing music again. I'd been trained as a classical violinist, but because of life circumstances, I hadn't done music in a long time. So just to be back in a sense of purpose in my mm. life was so healing. And so I kept singing, I kept recording, I recorded another album. And then by my third one, God was just expanding my faith a little bit. And I thought, you know, I really, really feel like I'm supposed to go to Ireland. That was a dream that it was on my heart. And I want to record internationally. And so, you know, I began to pray for bigger tools to be able to do that. And and God connected me with an Irish producer, which I was praying for. And I, you know, I asked some really ridiculous prayers. I said, God, I want the best musicians in the world. You know, these mm-hmm. big childlike prayers. And, and he gave that to me. Wow. And so I did a project, I think it was 2006 or seven um, with on an international scale, he had provided for that producer, for those musicians, orchestrators and arrangers. And and that music was then heard over in Europe. Why Ireland? That's a really good question. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know. But even as a child, I had this very strange fascination with Celtic things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not Irish, so it doesn't make sense. 
Um, but when I was in ninth grade, I did a report on the nation of Ireland and I kept that report cover. I have it to this day. And it was just like a picture of a dream that God had placed on my heart. It made no sense, but I knew in my heart that if I died and I hadn't gone there, I would have missed something. Mm -hmm. So 20 years ago, you hadn't done your first project. You were, you were single. You couldn't even hardly pay the rent. But right. you had a dream. You I had still, a dream. You still had a dream. Yes. And there's somebody listening right now who's where you were. Mm. Yes. You know, they've got a dream. Because God puts dreams in us. He they're, does. They're beautiful. And so what can you say to that person yeah. who's got a God dream, but it seems impossible? I would say, first of all, God hasn't forgotten. And second, don't be afraid to write it down, speak it out, and pray for it. Mm. And, you know, the worst, if it's not from God... It won't happen. But, you know, if we don't call it out, if we're not praying into it, mm. then it won't happen. And and so, you know, just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to lay those dreams before the Lord and turn them into prayers. I am really curious about this story. I've been to Nashville several times. And this last time that you went to Nashville... You just showed up at a studio without a plan. I did. I mean, like, did you have your bag next to you as well and say, can you give me a place to stay as well? <laughs> well, I, I at least had the hotel booked. And, okay. Yeah. So tell me about this. Going to Nashville, it was this this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this June. And you yeah. just showed up without a plan, without a producer. Right. You just, you don't do that kind of thing. I know, but God does that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it was an act of faith, but also obedience. I felt like the Lord said, just go, because if you don't continue to work, if you don't continue to do what I've called you to do, you're going to get stagnant. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, but God, what are we doing? And I had some ideas and I had some desires. I wanted to do Christmas music again. I had this seed of an idea that I could commemorate that album I had done 20 years ago. I also had some original songs. I didn't have any money at that moment, and I didn't have a producer. And <laughs> This is crazy. I know, I know. But so I went down, and even the morning that I was headed over to the studio with this new producer that had agreed to work with me, um, I didn't really know what to say except to ask him, you know, what would be possible? And that was the question. Mm. What is possible? How did you get connected with this? Because I thought you showed up without a producer and everything. Right. How did you connect with this producer? Right. So he was actually a man who had been doing what's called my programming for many years. And and that is all the electronic Mm-hmm. wonder that was underlaying my music for many years. He was the magic behind mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Breastplate, which was my, you know, my um, my lifetime song that I had done years ago. And and he was now producing for Dolly Parton. He had mm-hmm. he had been working with Amy Grant, BB and CeCe Winans, and all these mm-hmm. huge names. It was Grammy Award winning. And I asked him, I said, you know, you've been working on my music for years. You know my voice. You know my sound. How would you feel about producing? Mm-hmm. And he said yes. And he said yes. He said, let's try it. And so when I showed up that morning, he kind of looked at me like, what are we doing? I said, well, I don't really know. You know, here are some ideas. What is possible? And he, you know, I shared some of the Christmas story and some of that Christmas music. Could we put something together this year within a few months ready for the Christmas season, which in Nashville is 
not possible. In mm. Nashville, you have your Christmas projects finished and being marketed in July. Wow. This was late June. And he said, no. He said, let's do it. I think it's possible. Let's wow. go for it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So then you're in, this is not my world. So right. you're in, you've got a producer. What's the next step? What right. has to come together? So it's kind of like um, creating a big sculpture or a painting. You're going to start with a sketch. What is it going to look like? Let's map out the structure with pencil, you know, sonically. Mm-hmm. And then you gradually begin to fill in the painting with the colors. And the producer's job is to suggest how to do that and create using if, the things that I can't do, hiring the people that mm-hmm. do what I can't do. And you didn't have any money. Not not at that moment. No, okay, it was all so, a handshake and some faith. <laughs> so you said to the producer, I don't have any money. He's right. a Grammy Award winning producer. Right, right. It's expensive. <laughs> hey, yeah. I don't have any money, but... Actually, I, the funny part is I didn't even ask him how much this is going to cost. I was like, this is right. Mm. This is what we're going to do. I'm not even going to ask how much it's going to cost. I just know God said, do it. And I'm going to believe that it's going to be provided for. I like that. I know. Let's not even ask how much it's going to cost. Don't and let's just do it. I think we were. Ta- <laughs> I think the conversation was off air. And so I want to bring it on air. But we were talking about just how this is such a an illustration of both faith and obedience. Like there was, it's not just, okay, God, I believe you're going to do this, but there was stuff for you to do, Gene. And it, yes. like you had to actually, I don't know, show hop up. in the car and drive or <laughs> fly or whatever you did. You, like you, yeah, you have to show up. You have to step into it. Right. And he actually put the work into it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when Moses was called to go back to Egypt, he was going to have to leave his comfort zone out there with the flock and do something really scary potentially scary and you know that's really the walk that he's called us all to is he's going to push us out of that zone of what we know into what we don't know so that we can experience what he does know Mm. and that's where miracles happen so how did the money come in right you know what i don't really know i we just started the project he said you know this is what it's going to cost oh i will say at the beginning of the year god had given me of my word for the year, my phrase was the Lord will provide. Mm. And that gave me confidence. It's like, well, God already told me he would provide. And the Lord just provided opportunities for me to perform and speak okay. over the summer. And and the provision came as the only project I've ever done that was completely debt-free before it was released. Wow. That's incredible. Okay, so we've been having conversations all week long about praying into 2024 and being ready. And we talked, I think it was yesterday, about being ready for what you can anticipate, the stuff that's on the calendar that you can see this there, but also being ready for the stuff that you can't anticipate. We talked about praying and reading our Bible. But the one thing that we didn't talk about is listening, because God gave you a word long before that you needed it, but you were listening. Yes. And it's interesting that I had the word and I didn't really know why that I would need that word. And it was such a joyful thing because when the challenge came, I was ready because God had already spoken. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of uh, Indiana Jones movie where <laughs> it, does. Of course it does. Okay. <laughs> where Indy, he, he's, he steps out on this bridge, but it's invisible. <clears throat> 
end, but he has to step out. He has to take a step. Yep. And I know then, exactly the scene you're talking about. And then the bridge sort of appears. Right. And that that's what you did. Yeah. And so if if God has put a dream in your heart, you do have to sort of at some point take a leap mm-hmm. and trust that he's going to catch you. So you've got this new record, Behold, Carols of Worship, and Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Tell us about this. Oh, this song was so fun. So when we be, we began to work on the music, it was as if the music was already there inside me and I just didn't know it. It mm. was it was for the ladies out there, it would be like giving birth to a child that you didn't know you were pregnant with. Oh wow. And the songs just all came out of me like immediately and come that long expected began with the producer playing the rhythm. Um, with, with a wooden pencil on his guitar. So if you listen carefully to the song, you'll hear um, a Ticonderoga number two on a on a guitar. But you recently had a trip that was kind of in an unexpected place where yes. the God did God did something really beautiful. Yeah. Tell us about that trip. Oh yeah, it was such an honor and. I just tend to go where the invitations are and and I don't ask to be paid. You know, I think it's really fun because so much of Jesus' ministry was on the highways and the byways and giving honor to that one person. And so I don't really worry about numbers. And so I received an invitation to come to eastern Montana to a very remote area that was four hours away from the nearest large city. Oh, wow. And you had to take three planes and then a little private plane to get to this place, dirt road, out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds really, really fun. So I did, I was a speaker. I did a conference on joy for a bunch of women in eastern Montana. And these are farming ladies who had scheduled the conference after the wheat season, after the wheat mm-hmm. harvest was brought in. Um, real farmers I saw real cowboys. It's the Wild West. Yeah. And um, so remote that there was one town close by that had a little gas station and a post office. And that was it. This mm-hmm. was like Little House on the Prairie. So yeah. Remote. I know that one lady lived 50 miles yes. from the nearest gas, gas station. station. Yeah. People told me about their journey to get to the event because it was so rare that people came in from the outside all that way to see them that they went to great distances and one woman said she lived I mean these are huge farms and so the distances are enormous they don't even they don't even measure their land in acres it's measured in sections which is square miles which is hundreds of acres and and so one woman said yeah my house is 50 miles from the nearest gas station we are completely remote and people drove all the way from North Dakota to come. And so I was just struck by the hunger that these women had mm-hmm. for the word of God and the presence of God when they heard that I was coming. They were so excited and just dropped everything. Not only church people, but just people from the local town came to see it. Mm. I know that your talent and your heart is a blessing, and I'm sure that they were blessed. But God also had something for you in this trip to Montana. What did you take away from it? Well, first of all, the whole experience was kind of culture shock. I didn't know that such a place could exist where people live so remotely, you know, so um, isolated from the rest of the world. And when they say big, big sky country, they mean it. You'll be out in the middle of nowhere and see nothing. 
for mm. miles and just that feeling of remoteness and isolation. But they have made a world for themselves out there, which is quite beautiful. And they love it and they don't want people to move into their space. And <laughs> in the remoteness of it all, I just found the presence of God so rich because they don't have a lot of distraction. There's not a lot to do. If you want to go to town, it's a four-hour journey once a month to get to Walmart. Wow. And so they have a lot of time and and a much simpler way of life by design. It's simple, and it's about farming, and it's about wheat. And so the worship times were very simple. No bells, no whistles, and yet God showed up in a huge way. And, yes. you know, we go to concerts and there's the lights, you know, like for King and Country at Unity Music Festival, it was just like blown away mm-hmm. by their show. <laughs> but you went to this place and had such a simple worship time yes. and God showed up in, in a miraculous way. Why do you think that is? I think it's easy for us to get focused on what we can see and what we can hear mm-hmm. and as you were saying, the bells, the whistles, the smoke machines and the lights and the fancy sound. And there's a place for all of that. Mm-hmm. And there can be sure. beauty in all of that. But sometimes mm-hmm. it gets in the way of the beauty and the simplicity of God's presence, which is enough. And sometimes I think we need more than we actually do. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, for people listening today that feel like they don't have enough, like God is there in the not enough. And so that's what I found. You know, the worship was so simple and we, all we had was a guitar and a piano and and my voice and to hear them sing in four-part harmony because that's mm-hmm. what they had yeah. was so stunningly beautiful. And also just their appreciation for simple things. When I played the violin, they were like little children. And one woman said, we haven't heard a violin played here in our lifetime you know, at at this level. And to, to them, they just had such an appreciation for something that I take for granted. How do we connect with just the, the simple in life? How do we get rid of all the distractions, mm-hmm. connect with the simple? Well, if you figure it out, let me know. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I, I think we have to be very intentional, yeah. very intentional to dial down distraction mm-hmm. and create space listen. So Jean has had opportunities to go to Ireland. The Lord has connected her to be, you know, ministering in Ireland. And Jean, you see the a spiritual hunger in Ireland that in your words, the fields are white unto harvest. That to me that means, you know, there's a lot of people who who need Jesus, but there's also this spiritual hunger that's there. Explain that spiritual hunger yes. and maybe why it's there. Yes, I just think it has to do with their history to some extent and and their their politics. It's a very complicated um, environment that when you first go into it, it's difficult to understand if you're not Irish. Um, but they're a very spiritual people. They have, you know, their early spiritual roots were in paganism and the Druids, and then, um, you know, the Normans and all these invasions, and and then Catholicism. And so they're innately spiritual, but they're not innately connected with Jesus. And so for me, it's very easy to go into that spiritual environment 
and just say, hey, you can have a relationship with this God that you already believe in and know exists. And and that's what, for some of them, is a new concept, is the idea of having a personal relationship with God. And God originally put that desire in your heart to go to Ireland. You had this unexplainable yes. love for and yeah. interest in the country, and then you got to go, but you have gone and gone and gone. Now yes. there's like this relationship that's been established. There is, yeah. And when I first showed up, my music seemed very accessible to them. My voice, the sound of my voice has something Celtic about it, mm-hmm. which that I didn't have anything to do with. That's the way God made my voice. And the style of music is very relatable to them. And even the way that I speak, um, I'm not what they think of as a typical American. They see Americans as kind of loud and brash and pushy. And I come with this gentleness and can look into their eyes and say, you know, you're a sinner. And, you know, just say things they might yeah. not want to hear. But it'll come across in this very gentle way that's that's um, relatable to them. So last year you were in Ireland and you... Yeah. You met a woman who didn't come to any of your events. Right. You were asked to go visit with her. So, yes. So tell us that yes. story. And so the thing about Ireland, as I alluded to earlier, is that because of their religious background, some of them are Catholic, some of them are Protestant, and there's this big gaping hole between the two um, points of view. And so the Catholic population does not want to be seen in a Protestant church, and hmm. Protestants don't want to be seen with the Catholics. And and so I'm kind of this mysterious person from a place called Michigan, <laughs> and they don't really know what I am. But this particular woman, she was curious about my message, but she was too afraid to come to a Protestant church, mm-hmm. which is where I was ministering at the time, and so asked if I would come to her home, which I did, and went there after a meeting. So I got to her home at 10 o'clock at night and just listened to her story, answered her questions, and had an opportunity to pray with her until about 2 o'clock the next morning. And wow. and that was it. You know, it was just really very conversational and just loving on her and just introducing her to the idea of Jesus, Jesus' love for her at that mm-hmm. moment. And then you returned yes, and got the follow-up story. So what yeah. happened with her? So, you know, that conversation, I didn't feel a compulsion to say, you need to give your life to Jesus right now. I just didn't feel that I was supposed to put that pressure on her just really inviting her to get to know the Lord's love. And she took me seriously on that Mm. challenge. And when I got back, I discovered that she had read the Bible from cover to cover. She really took the challenge, and she had um, pursued uh, Bible study with a friend, asked a friend to come and study with her. She'd gone to a Christian conference, and she had given her life Mm. to Christ, not just in a small way, but just radically given her life to the Lord. Hmm. It reminds me of, you know, Paul's words. He says, one waters, one plants. Yes. God makes it grow. And yes. what I really like about how Paul says that is, it's not the one who waters or plants that are anything. It's God who makes things mm-hmm. grow. Yes. He's not saying it's not important to water and plant, but it's like, it's God. It's all about God. Exactly. And we're just to be obedient in the moment to share his love in whatever way he asks us to do it. And you have a quote. Can you pass on that quote to us? Yes. So about the very thing. Yeah. So, you know, in my travels, especially in my prison ministry, um, I just love 
to watch the Lord work. And so the quote is, isn't it wonderful to hold the master's coat and watch him work? The Lord puts a dream in our heart and then we try to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm the only one. Jean, can you relate with that? Absolutely. And, you know, so many times in the Bible, God would give men and women glimpses of his purpose for them. You know, we think about the dreams that Joseph had in right. the book of Genesis and, and the way he spoke to Abram and Sarah about having a baby. And, you know, the difficult part, I think, is the time that happens between mm-hmm. the giving of the dream and the fulfillment right. and all of that stuff in between the process. How yeah. have you learned how have you learned not to strive? <laughs> I mean, have you arrived? Heavens no. <laughs> you know, I think that so much of my journey was was trying to strive, trying to make it happen. And I and I see a lot of these little what I would consider failures along the way where I was trying to make it happen mm-hmm. in my own strength. And, and we never can because God's dreams for us are something that we can't do in human strength. They can only be done by his spirit, by his power. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, but even the wonderful part is even all the little false starts or our, our little human efforts can become part of the process of, of bringing the dream to life. In fact, I think that the failures and the struggles are preparing us mm-hmm. for carrying the dream. And, you know, when we think about Joseph's story and how he had to go through this time of trial and suffering and struggle in the prison and with false accusation and all of these things that look like the opposite way to right. the dream. But I think that all of those things were so important in forming his heart and preparing him, giving them the humility and the faith to carry the authority that God wanted to give him. And I mean, the whole thing was training. It was all training season. Yes. Everything he learned in not even the spiritual aspect, but what you would see as the, I don't know, earthly, earthy, yeah. tangible, um, what he had to walk through. He learned skill sets yes. that he needed that God was going to use later. But what does it look like for you in regards to, you know, God's so gifted you. You have so much talent and the beauty that comes out of you musically. He's given you that. And then he's also given you this heart for ministry to happen because it could happen in a lot of different platforms, but it's, it's for the glory of God. How have you tried to muscle that into being? <laughs> and what does it look like to try to muscle it into being versus yes. letting go? Well, I think in the early days of music, the temptation was to sound like everybody else, to focus on someone that's successful. And well, if I'm going to be successful in music, maybe I need to sound like that. Yeah. And and those are always, those were the biggest failures in my life because success comes whether in spiritual things or natural, success comes from being who we truly are, who God has made us to be, and letting God reveal his glory through us in the unique way that only we can do. And mm. so I think as as I've gotten older, I've learned to let go of fear more and more. Fear is our enemy. And just be free enough to be myself and know that that's all I have to do, just and be I- myself. And I know you're learning because in this last, you know, this last year, you spent no effort promoting things or trying to make things happen. So you are learning, even though you haven't arrived. (laughs) So what's one way that we can, 
I don't know, we take steps of faith, but we also wait on God. Yes. And so how do we move forward, Mm -hmm. not striving, but letting God make things happen? I think every day just checking our heart and saying, what is my motivation? Am I trying to build my kingdom here Mm -hmm. or am I building the Lord's? And especially as a performing recording musician, the temptation is, well, I have to get heard. I have to be popular. People have to like me. And, you know, in all of our careers, I think that element is going to creep in there. You know, I I want to be known. I want to be heard, especially in this era of social media. Mm-hmm. I've got to have followers. Do people like me enough? And it's so easy for our sense of worth to begin to come from what others think of us and for that to become our motivation. And so for me, every day, calling myself back to the Word of God, to times with the Lord in prayer, like, Lord, what are you doing in my life and how can I stay true to that? So tomorrow I'm heading to Ohio. We've got a family wedding in Ohio. My daughter and I are singing together and she's playing. And I know that this is a part of your world as well. You have a daughter who is incredibly talented Mm -hmm. and you, you have recently had the opportunity to work together, but there's also a bit of launching her involved in that. Tell us about that. Yes. Well, she's my youngest daughter. Her name's Kat. Goes by the stage name of Kat Wells. And um, she was singing when she was a little girl, even with me. Um, She came to England once and uh, we sang together. She was only eight years old. Oh my goodness. She had a very evident gift Mm -hmm. for music. And then she taught herself to play guitar and um, a few years ago, she'd come back from a YWAM experience in France, and um, the two of us were sitting in the living room singing the psalms together, just mm-hmm. open up the book of psalms, and she'd play the guitar, and we would just make up a song, and we ended up recording a song based on Psalm 51 together, and my producer heard her sing and said, wow, she needs to record her own stuff, and so she did. So she is just finishing up her own first project this year and I'm super proud of her amazingly talented and gifted mm-hmm. writer and singer and at the same time because I've got a daughter who's just launching into music and yes you know she's going to take it farther than yes than me yeah. by far uh, it's bittersweet for it you yeah talk about that it is because as you said your daughter's going to take it farther, and I know that my daughter will as well. They're they're building on a platform that was to some extent built by us, the parents, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. spiritually and musically. And yeah. you know, she's stepping into her career with a producer in Nashville with all these tools that I that I spent twenty years, you know, having to yeah. to um, discover. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there would be that human temptation to be jealous of that like well you have this advantage that I didn't have and Mm -hmm. um but you know what I have to remind myself and I do remind myself that I can take joy in her career with no jealousy whatsoever because her purpose is different than mine thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you the content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show Barry and Shauna, mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.